Podcast. Podcast. Let's do it. We got it. Welcome to the completely unnecessary podcast for Tuesday. That's how I get amped up for things. August 24, 2021. Alongside drum beaten Ian Ferguson. I'm calm and cool as a cucumber, Pat Country. Yeah. We have we have a nice podcast for today ladies and gentlemen on the show today we'll be talking about another round of investment on an upcoming game console uh a deep dive into the alleged uh market manipulation going on in the graded game market super nintendo turns 30 years old it does and other other goodness out there ian ian how, how was your weekend buddy it was uh it was good you know what i'm getting excited about hatch chili season hatch chilies are coming soon and uh, I, I don't know what I did this weekend, but I've been thinking about Hatch Chilies. Hatch Chilies are delicious. They're grown in New Mexico. Have you ever had a Hatch Chili? I don't know if I have. Do you eat them plain? I, I certainly yeah, you Are they can. deep fried? or what no. are they? So it's just it's a really good uh, chili pepper. Uh, New Mexico is kind of, you know, uh, ground zero for fantastic chili peppers. In the does, it, does it world. come from all the nuclear tests that you should do there? Is that why? Possibly. Possibly connection. Okay. Um, but yeah, so in the well, summer, Arizona. people from New Mexico come to California and they travel around and they do roasting events at your local grocers. And you go and you buy them by the case and they roast the shit out of them for you. And then you take them home and you clean them and you put them in your chest freezer and then you have delicious, fresh, frozen, fresh, frozen hatch green chilies all year round. Okay. So that's, uh, that's what and, I'm excited about. You, you can eat them plain or you can cook with them? <laughs> I cook with them. Uh, but uh, there have been times where people have given me bags of them, and I have simply eaten the roasted chili peppers directly out of the bag because they are so delicious. So that's what you did this weekend. You thought about doing something this yeah, weekend. I thought about it. I mean, honestly, what, what did I do this weekend? I fucking I don't care I did point. what I always do. Uh, I played some, <laughs> some D&D. &D, uh, okay. That, that was the first time we had done it in a month and a half. Okay. So that was really good. Uh, we got a new character, uh, uh, someone that Vani works with, uh, joined our party. So that's cool. Uh, I played uh, getting really into Streets of Rage uh, for just just game of all the game of all time, game of all time, game, game of the millennium. Really, all I ever need to play. Uh, you heard it here uh, for the fifth, sixth, and seventh time. Um, and I did do something. Uh, check out Trigger Witch yet? No, I did From, not. Tr check out Trigger Witch by Rainbite. I will check out Trigger Witch. Uh, I do want to bring up Retromania Wrestling is very good. I feel bad for not having played it sooner. Okay. Uh, but it was really good. Uh, I started playing that, and uh, it's it's a fun mix of WrestleFest. Our pal Mike. Um, and Fire Pro. There's a little bit of Fire Pro in there. It's a really fucking good game. Like, solid engine. And you're not just saying it because you have a cameo. No, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm saying it because it's a fucking solid game. Um, if I was going to say something about it because I had the cameo, I would have done it. Sorry, Mike, like two months ago when he sent us the codes to check it out. Hey, we pumped it up when it was released. I'm, I'm just a little slow on things. We, we pumped, pumped it. God, it's good. It's good. It's good we'll stuff. We'll pump it again. Uh, and then I did uh, kind of a random thing. It was kind of weird because I never did this. One, I said, hey, Vani, you want to watch a movie? Uh, Vani, uh, Vani's are tough for me to do. Movies are tough for me to do. Movies are tough. Movies are tough. Movies are tough 
for okay. a person with my shitty attention span. Uh, but I suggested a movie, and I suggested we watch the new Suicide Squad. Some sort of Suicide Squad. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a very good movie. I, I watched it as well. It was, it was, it was well very let's, fun. Let's pretend this was two weeks ago or two and a yeah. half weeks ago when the movie came out. Yeah. Um, no, I enjoyed it. Um, the first one was Hot Garbage. That was supposed to be a, 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 the the director. It, now cut. I don't need to see it ever. Uh, <laughs> it's a loose sequel. It's not a reboot because you have few of the main, same characters show up. Uh, Boomerang, Captain Boomerang. You got Harley Quinn. You have uh, uh, Captain Flag or whatever. Is it Captain Boomerang? I don't know. Boomerang guy. Jay Courtney did a great job with that. And uh, no, it was um, it was it was fun. It's a fun movie. It's super gory. It, it a little bit too gory for my taste when it comes. To, I mean, they did a couple of things where I'm like. I don't need to see someone's heart getting split by a knife. Like the internal look of that, that's a little much. Yeah, I James. enjoyed it. You enjoyed it? I don't like going too gratuitous on that stuff when it's characters that you like, you see get get uh, wiped out. It's sure. Like, it's a little bit too much. Sure. That's the reason I, I, like, I didn't see like the Captain America death in the comics. Like they went really gory on like a, a, a good person's death, so to speak. And it's like, I don't need to see that. But we did see uh, John Cena and his tidy whities uh, So John Cena did a great job. Uh, as the comedic, comedic, darkly comedic uh, peacemaker, Cena and uh, Elba Elba. really played off each other. Just fantastic, great chemistry. Great and chemistry. I, I mean, I'll say it: whether you you love or hate or come somewhere in between uh, on the new Harley Quinn, uh, Margot Robbie does a. I mean, she owns great. that character. She fuck, yes. I mean, it, what whatever you feel about the character, she plays the fucking character. Perfectly as as it's supposed to be played in the movies. I mean, in this movie, it's, it was no. She wonderful. owns a character. I, I forget they came out with that birds uh, birds of prey or which I that, which I do actually want to bombed see. horribly. So yeah. this is actually like the fourth time she's already playing the character. Is it? I be- Suicide Squad. Two Suicide Squads. Birds of prey. Did she have a cameo in something else? Or no? Am I making that up? Maybe it's only the third time then. Maybe that's only the third time. All right. Th- then she has th- three full movies though of doing this character already, and only like well five years. It's been five years since she debuted. It, it, was, two, it was 2016 Suicide Squad. Already. It was five years ago. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. The first one. So James Gunn um, obviously he likes writing this style. If you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy, it's the same sort of style, but it's like an R-rated version of Guardians of the Galaxy in terms of the character interaction. It's it's a dirty dozen. That's the whole point of the Suicide Squad. And the comes like the dirty dozen. They they get killed off because they're just little villains no one cares about. Um, there's misdirection in this. Uh, you can see some of the things coming. I, I I could see some of the. I saw the heel turn coming. I did see that coming. Yeah, that seemed um, like it was. I mean, there's no reason well for, foreshadowed. No reason to have him even you know, even the one character. I'm trying to do without spoilers, but even it just out, it was kind of saying like, why do you need this guy in the mission? I'm doing. I do the same thing this guy does. Right. Like, he straight out says that he sets uh, he sets that up. Um, the one thing I will say, there was some extraneous stuff. This could have been 15 minutes shorter. Absolutely. Um, like it was too, it was too self-indulgent and that's fine when you have a a good director that can do this stuff, but there's some stuff going on in this movie where I'm like, I think need to rein a little bit of stuff in. And it wasn't just, just the over the top artsy, artsy stuff. It was the stuff like, um, even just. There was there was um, some subplots that went absolutely nowhere. The resistance fighter subplot didn't need to be in the movie. It went absolutely nowhere. There was no development of any of those characters. Sure, that could have been cut out. Um, there was there was another one uh, that I can't think of right now where it was like um, like like Idr- Idris Elba's character. Uh, what is he? Bloodsport. His daughter. That went absolutely nowhere. No reason for it to be in the movie. They I, did a little bit more with that. I, I feel like you could have taken out the Resistance Fighter stuff and focus and, and done a little bit more with his daughter, and yes. I think it would have been a better movie. As far as the length, um, it was two fifteen. It that was, was the length. I thought it was two o five. 
Or maybe with credits it was 205, but it seemed a yeah. little bit long. Well, so so that was the thing I was going to say. I noticed a lot of people who said that personally, and I don't know if it was just because I hadn't seen a movie in a while. I, I There was 10 minutes in the middle where I was like, this feels like it's getting a little over long. And then it rolls into its last act, and it picked right back up again. And honestly, I felt like... I felt like it just narrowly avoided that complaint for me. Yeah, like like the the Margot Robbie stuff in the middle of the movie when she she's uh, I don't have to spoil it when she's captured and the whole dating with the the um, uh, Cora Mart Maltese uh, present like that stuff was a little bit long. It was like it, they could have trimmed some of that, but I understand it, it's a showcase for Margot Robbie and her character, obviously. Yeah, but there's a lot of like and, and her whole fight scene, which was well done, it goes yes. on for a bit. Uh, there's there's, sure. there's there's stuff like that where it's like. I understand James Gunn probably got car blanche, but we could have trimmed some of this out. But no, it was good. I enjoyed it overall. Um, I enjoyed the, you know, the, the, I won't give away the cameos of the, there's another Suicide Squad team. There's two teams. I won't give away some cameos of actors that show up in part of that team, which they did a good job of not revealing. Oh, a yeah. A couple of them. Yeah. They absolutely did. Two in particular. So they did a great job of that. And Sebastian the Rat is adorable. I would die for Sebastian the Rat. Um, they, they, they didn't show that in the trailer either. I don't believe the, the rat. So like that, the whole the whole rat, rat, rat catcher stuff. The good. rat catcher stuff was some of my favorite stuff in the movie, and uh, it's it's weird to say it, but I thought I thought that little bit at the end, which this isn't really a spoiler, but I thought that bit at the end was very touching, actually. Oh, the little little rat on his. On his I thought that was very yeah, very cute. Sebastian the rat. I said I said to myself, if they kill kill off this fucking rat, I'm going to go after James Gunn personally. <laughs> I don't think James that's Gunn a line you do not rat, cross. No. Like that's the thing about these movies—they're killing off beloved characters. Yes, um, and that's—it's upsetting to see that. I'll have to spoilers. I'll have to spoil it. Uh, Flag gets killed, and Flag was one of the only uh, parts connecting the original to this. Yes, and it's a shame that the death could have had more impact because he did have some camaraderie and affection with uh, with. With Harley Quinn. Harley, yes. And in this movie, it's glossed over. And there should have been that moment where Harley finds out and she gets fucking pissed and goes like on a rampage, you know? Sure. There, there was not that moment. I was surprised there was not that moment. Yeah, that surprised me too. Like she finds out at the end, she's like, oh, uh, he was my friend. I was like, she should have been going ballistic right. at that. And that was the one thing. Because I thought like I, I forget that actor's name. He, I always forget his name. I see him and stuff. He does a great job with stuff. Yeah, he's and always he's, he's in always tons solid. of stuff. Yeah, uh, he's always good. But um, he, he played the Republican presidential uh, candidate on House of Cards several years back. He did like a great job. Uh, you know, he's always good. Uh, what's his name? Are you looking up his name? Yeah, I'm looking, Rick, trying to look up who flag actor. Yeah, that's Joel Kinnaman. Kinnaman that's that's it. Yep. Yeah, he always does a great job of stuff. So. Um, it will be it will be sad not to see his character come back because uh, he was a connective tissue. Obviously, you had uh, uh, what, what what's the, the lady that runs it all? She's also the connective tissue. Uh, Amanda Waller. Amanda Waller. Yeah, her character uh, it, that played very very well by um, Ava DuVernay, I believe. Yes. So she's in the other one as well, and the, and her and that, and that character did show up in Green Lantern, but a different actress. Ten years ago, already. Oh God, yeah, I almost forgot that she was in that Green Lantern movie, the, the character. So that was stuff was funny. I it was kind of, you know, the, 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 like the office people, the average office people, like running it. It wouldn't have worked like that in reality, but I I get for comedic effect, it would have been run like a military operation, not like sure. random people working in office. But there was some funny moments with that. So I enjoyed it. I enjoyed some sort of Suicide Squad. It would have been interesting to see this made if Will Smith had come back. And then I have Idris Elba. Obviously, it would have been a totally different movie, and I'm glad Idris Elba was in it. Me too. So, 
What else is happening, Ian? Did you uh, watch that CM Punk? Come back? <laughs> I didn't. Um, but I'm very happy for the people who are excited. It is. I, I missed CM Punk's run in WWE. I missed the entire thing. Never saw any of it. That brought me back to watching. I hadn't watched in four or five years. And I, I watched it because of CM Punk 10 years ago. It was 10 years ago, the summer of Punk. My memories of CM Punk is the dude that I saw on indie tapes and at <laughs> Ring of Honor, whose uh, you know signature move was called the Pepsi Plunge. Um this is not to say anything about the quality of him. I the excitement of him coming back was enjoyable to watch, even though I wasn't feeling it. I love seeing crowds get hyped up like that. It, it was this. It's a similar feeling to um, when uh, Daniel Bryan won and everyone erupted with yes, 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 the yes, yes, yes. Um, it was you know it, 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 those are impressive things to watch, and you and you can't help but almost. I couldn't help but almost wish that I was enjoying it like other people were. So, like, I'm not shitting on it. I just, but, I didn't feel it directly, but it was very interesting, and it's very interesting to see uh, what is suddenly, and I think this will be the point that people point to in three, four, five years when they're talking about it, interesting to see the turn against WWE here. Yeah, be, 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 this this is, um, say what you will about Punk's behavior outside of WWE, or he's hard to work with. I, I let's not talk. Uh, the less I, said about his UFC career, the better. Yeah, I, 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 I killed him for the UFC career stuff, and, and we and did it was a rightfully. Joke. It was a joke. It was disrespectful to real mixed martial arts. Whatever, that's fine. That's past. We'll talk about his wrestling career. Yeah, CM um, Punk, the wrestler. That's a different yeah. thing. Uh, obviously, he, he's one of the most popular wrestlers the past twenty years. I, I, I told you it was like Cena, um, CM Punk, and Daniel Bryan. Those are the three. Right. Uh, post attitude, I mean, not yeah. not counting not counting the Rock and Stone Cold. Those are the three guys, the most popular mainstream wrestlers. WWE doesn't have two of those guys anymore, and Cena is a part timer who just did a SummerSlam match, going back to doing movies. So Daniel Bryan or Bryan Danielson, his real name, is going to come to AEW as well. They're going to let space out from CM Punk. That that one two punch is going to be absolutely, I believe, huge for AEW. That might be. I'm not saying. AEW is going to be neck and neck like the Monday Night Wars or WCW. But at some point, you have people that love these wrestlers that like WWE. They're going to be, oh, I want to watch. I mean, his pop, the pop he got coming back to Chicago. Obviously, it's his hometown. He hasn't wrestled in seven years. He said at one point, I'm never going to wrestle again. Then he loosened up on that, obviously, and he's back. Um, the pop he got was as loud as I remembered anything I'd heard the Daniel Bryan WrestleMania win and that stuff was was big. Uh, when Hogan came back and faced the Rock, I was going to say Hogan Rock um, WrestleMania was one of the loudest crowds. You I've ever couldn't heard. hear the music being played. That's sure. how loud it, it was. It was insane when you watch that. The guy was crying. The audience become a new me. Like I was crying. So people wanted to see Punk, and Punk's character is great for wrestling. He's he's one of the best on the mic uh, of this generation. Um, his ring, ring work is is pretty good. It's it's really good when he's motivated. He puts on good matches uh, when he's motivated. Obviously, he wasn't the last year or so. He wasn't WWE because that that run ended horribly there. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's got me interested. I will watch a little more AEW now. I was out of all wrestling, but maybe I should just be out of WWE because it's horseshit. Like maybe I should just be giving more because I was watching New Japan Pro Wrestling a lot. A couple years ago, I was talking about that. I was watching sure. on Access TV the reruns, and maybe it's just I, I hate most of the wrestling stuff that WWE does, and the fact that they misuse uh, wrestlers like uh, now Keith Lee is another one that they have, don't know what to do with. And the guy was like white hot; he was like a double champion in NXT or whatever he was. And it comes up, it comes to the main roster, and they don't know how to use him. 
and now he's floundering. And I'm just, I was, I'm just sick of seeing that with every popular wrestler, from Dolph Ziggler to Bray Wyatt. These guys get white hot, hottest guy in the company, and we just don't do shit with them. And it says, how many times can you see that? They almost did it with Daniel well, Bryan. And I mean, it was honestly, yeah. that's what that's what killed Vani on wrestling. Vani got into wrestling real fast, and like, uh, like she took to it, and she loved it watching NXT. She really got into. Uh, the work they were doing, she got into the storylines, and for a while NXT was doing okay. pretty well. But uh, they kept they kept building up and then not doing anything with Sami Zayn, her favorite, who was her favorite wrestler, sure. and he's great. And I think it, and, and it burned her out on it in like two years. And I think that you can only watch you can only watch people get fumbled so many times before you you lose interest and it's, it's and, part of, and various characters it'd be like yeah. it'd be like watching a suicide squad and then and then they kill off Idris Elba 20 minutes in right. you're like what that was the guy I wanted to see right this is a narrative that plays out like a soap opera that they keep fucking up the narrative in in, in most people's minds and yeah it's I felt like, that cuz like Vonnie's favorite wrestlers were like Sami Zayn Cesaro like all dudes that the the WWE was horribly mishandling at the time that she was watching and it does Cesaro it was my favorite pure wrestler oh he's fucking fantastic he's amazing yeah. he's he's strong as a fucking bull mm-hmm. and he's very good technically uh, Sami Zayn, I believe they're starting to use him more now again, but he wasn't wrestling for it. It's, no, it's, yeah, but, ti- it's tiring. This is not, not, this is not it, right, and it's not to say anything negative against Sami Zayn, but I, it's hard for me to care anymore. Yeah, it's tiring. You, 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 you fuck it up so many times by the time you finally do use that wrestler right, right and you give them what they may, might deserve, a hot run or something like that, you're, you're worn out. And you're right. They, it's, it's, it's and exhausting. they bring back 44-year-old Brock Lesnar to fight Reigns again, and they bring back 55-year-old Goldberg to fight someone, and it's just to fight Lash, and it's just like, I'm tired. I'm tired of it, and that's what it is. So maybe I'll, I'll watch more AEW as a sign of protest in WWE. And they have two shows. They have a Wednesday and Friday show. That's where Punk came in, those Rampage show on Friday. And I'm looking forward to it. I think when 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 uh, Brian Danielson comes in, that's going to be the, I think, true turning point where it's like, okay, these are no longer has-beens or cast-offs. Uh, Punk's 42. That's not that old for a wrestler nowadays. Wrestlers go until their mid, mid no, to late 40s. Days it's not. You know, Edge is 50, and he's came back and he's wrestling, so... Daniel Bryan's not even 40. Well, these guys are also keeping themselves in better shape than a lot of those older yeah, wrestlers. Yeah, and, and Punk did. has a wrestle in seven years. He's probably fully healthy. Right. He even said that, like, I've, I had to get healthy, you know, both mentally and physically. You know, it's a great promo. Go, go watch the promo. It came from the heart. It was heartfelt. Uh, even Jim Cornette had nothing to complain about with it, and he complains about everything. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> Uh, you see that uh, Spider-Man No Way Home trailer, Ian? I did. Take it's it away, a teaser. Pat. It's a three-minute <laughs> teaser. Take or, it away, Pat, because I just I, I I'm excited about I I thought uh, uh, Doctor Octopus was great in Amazing Spider-Man Two is one of my I, I've only seen it twice one of my favorite Spider-Man, superheroes Spider-Man Two uh, not, Spider-Man Two Amazing Spider-Man Two is the is the not amazing, fuck. Right. Spider-Man Two <laughs> um I've only seen it twice but it, I would rank it as one of my favorite twi- superhero movies I saw it twice in theaters and I because it, it was amazing yeah it's good um so I was happy to see Doc Ock come back so the multiverse is confirmed we know that. The only thing, the only question, and because you had Alfred Molina show up as Doc Ock, you saw, you heard the Green Goblins laugh and saw the pumpkin bomb. You saw an electro lightning storm. Some people think they saw a Sandman quickly, and then they saw an arm coming out of the darkness that people are thinking is the lizard. So you have a multiverse Sinister Six movie potentially uh, on your hands here. And plus, because you have Michael Keaton as Vulture still, he's still around. 
Uh, that's a Sony character, technically. Um, so you have at least six super villains that could show up. And normally you'd say this is too much, but these are pre-established villains from other multiverses that they're going to work in. That this makes it interesting. This yeah. can kind of get right down to brass tacks. Yes, that's one of the that's one of the nice things about how they do these movies. <laughs> this is a lot, but it's not a lot like you have to Spider-Man up, Three was. Yeah, you don't have to set up these villains at all. Right. These villains all have their own prior movies. And Mysterio, and Mysterio might come back. That's the thing. It's like people say, oh, we saw Jake Gyllenhaal on set. They've, doing a, they've done a great job really not giving away too much. It's obviously, the actors, Willem Dafoe's like, well, we'll see. Alfred Molina didn't give a shit. He's like, yeah, I'm back as Dr. Octopus. He was funny. He was just like, yeah, I'm back. I'm going to do it. And like, I'm sure uh, Marvel and Disney's not happy about that. But what are you going to do? It's, not, everyone it's Alfred Molina. Alfred Molina. He can do no wrong. Uh, but, but, now the thing is, is Tommy McGuire and Andrew Garfield in this? And I'd be shocked if both of them are not in this. I would be shocked. I don't think you can bring back one, not the other. I think you got to have all three. Yeah. I That's just my opinion. Tough. It'd be weird to have the villains show up from the movies to have Electro show up um, and potentially Lizard and not have Andrew Garfield. Even have him on screen for like five, ten minutes. I'm not saying they're going to be sharing the whole movie, but there's got to... No, but they're, they're going to be there. It'll be weird. Because supposedly you have... Um, uh, Mary Jane coming back from, from the Sam Raimi movies. Obviously, Emma Stone, uh, Gwen, Gwen, Gwen Stacy's dead from that. Spoilers. Um, so we'll see. But no, it, I'm in. I'm there. I'm not seeing uh, these other movies in the theater. Uh, I wanted to see Suicide Squad in the theater, uh, potentially. For Suicide Squad would have been fun in a theater. Would have been fun. There's a lot of yes. big visuals, yeah. the, the Harley Quinn sequences. But the whole stuff. the whole uh, final act would have been awesome in a, in a theater. With, with Starro? With Starro, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, great cast, by the way. Suicide Squad's cast was outstanding, the cast. It, it really helped it. I mean, uh, a, a mediocre or at least average story can easily be helped say. along by a fantastic ensemble cast. Do you know who did? Because I didn't know this. Just going back to it real quick. Did you know who did King Shark's voice ahead of time? It was a slice to Lou. I had no yeah, idea. Yeah. Like, I don't know what about it hit me, but I looked it up afterwards, and it hit me in the gut, and I was, like, doubled, I was doubled over laughing. He did, like, like a Parody Rocky voice, basically, yeah. is what. <laughs> well, remember so he, sh- he showed up as one of the original Guardians of the Galaxy in the sequel. Remember that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah he did. That's with, right. With Ving Rhames mm-hmm. and uh, a couple other people, so they, yeah. they referenced the original team, which I thought they might do something with in the third movie. But these movies are taking forever to make now because now we're not seeing the next Suicide, uh, excuse me, uh, Guardians until what two years from now? It's like Jesus Christ. Anyway, moving on. I'm moving on. Uh, Frogger trailer. Didn't watch it. Tell me about it. Uh, it's what we think. It's, okay. <laughs> it's like it's like a wipeout thing with John Cena host. Or, oh, sorry, that's the that's the sound of it. It's it's a, one of these shows where let's just laugh at people jumping on objects, getting hit in, in the face, and then uh, falling into water. But with Frogger stuff, it's on a small set. It's not outside. You have one of the uh, Damon Wayne's Jr. Uh, I was going to say one of the Wayne's, but no, that Damon Wayne's son. As uh, on there, along with me, personality Kyle Brandt from Good Morning Football. I don't know who they are. So these are now. There's like five or six shows like this now. It seems like this goes back to like MXC and the Japanese shows where we're going to f- see people get humiliated and try. But this, in this case, it's Frogger themed. It. I like these obstacle course shows, but I, I, I mean, I, I don't. Like, I like them in theory. I like, I like, the, I like the Ninja Challenge thing because they're actually athletes, and it's not just to laugh at the people fail. You know, the, I don't like this because a lot of these ones I watch. Are they're set up to fail? There's like traps and things you don't see coming that just hit you in the fucking face and you fall in the water. You know, um, like those are the ones I don't like. Yeah, this honestly, the theming isn't very strong here. No, it's not because as strong as I thought it would be. And also in the beginning, how fucking weird is it that in the beginning they show 
a quarter going in, and then they show a screen that is not from any Frogger game that has ever existed. Yeah, they could, I guess they couldn't get the rights from Konami or didn't want to. So this is what's funny about this. Frogger's 40 years old now. Yeah. 40 years. Who, who are these shows appealing to? I don't know, because the last time Frogger was trotted out, well, no, the one that was done by Q Games that we talked about was actually a lot of fun. Yeah, from a few years ago. But uh, before that, uh, the last time Frogger was like trotted out. Frogger World Tour, whatever the hell it was. It, it, like, it was, pal- he, was, he was almost positioned as like a kid's game character. My, my pal Pearl from Konami at the time, she showed me the Frogger game. That was like 10 years ago at E3. That's like, I guess, the end of like when you would have, you know, 30 years for a character. That's the lifespan maybe for a video game character. But, uh, you know, we, we love Frogger, though. So okay. good luck. No one's going to watch it because it's on Peacock, which is the worst absolute name for a streaming service. Just call it NBC Plus. I know there's like CBS Plus, but just call it that. Uh, speaking of old stuff, Toys R Us might be coming back. Um, they're partnering with Macy's. I'm happy about this. There, there should be. It's good to see the brand. <laughs> we need some form of a toy store. We, we do. do for the kids. Yes, we do need. Targets, a, we do need a Target and Walmart toy is like five aisles. That's not a toy store. That's not it. We need a, a children's experience. If I had a kid, I would take them to a Toys R Us. Absolutely. And um, but this isn't even that. This is like a section. But they're at least going to be a segmented part of a store. What are you going to say? This is better than nothing, Ian. The pandemic sort of killed. They did the few pop-up stores in 2019. They did it was one in Jersey, one in. No, I'm, one all I'm saying, I'm not. I'm not saying it's bad, but yeah. I'm just saying it's still just a toy section with branding. It's not. It's not giving us what you say we need, which is a walk-in it's toy a store. Start. It's a start, Ian. I don't know. It helps. It's good for Macy's. They get people to go. People are going to bring their kids to this just because of the branding alone, and maybe they do like toy experiences. There's no toy experience at a Target or Walmart. You just shop for shit. You don't try anything. You don't get to run around aimlessly. That's or else you'll end up in the underwear section. You know, like it's not. Come on, Ian, give me this. Give me this slight win here. Give me the win, damn it. Give me this nostalgia. I was tearing up the last time I went to my Toys R Us a week before it closed. <laughs> I was tearing up. Unfortunately, the phone I took the the uh, the video and got water damaged, so that video is not on there anymore. I got to have someone. Well, it's on there, but I have to have someone you know get it. Damn you, Apple. Let us have. Let us have memory cards like, like Android. It's the only thing I hate about Apple, uh, about iPhones. Give me a damn memory card. The memory's tied to the board. It's on the board, the memory. Anyway. The worst. So that's all about Toys R Us. There. You going to stay at that arcade-themed hotel suite in Illinois, Ian? I'm not, most likely, but it's interesting looking. Um, so it's uh, an arcade-themed hotel where it looks like there's an arcade in like the lobby but then each of the suites has like different arcade machines and stuff set up oh and where is this at illinois it's not chicago but it's somewhere in illinois Uh, it's called arcadia i like the logo so you want to you want to just wake up early out of bed with your basketball shorts on and you stumble downstairs and play some pinball machines. Love those. Dream. Apparently this place opened in 2009, so this is definitely not like a new article. It's not a new article? This oh, is... it's, oh, it's an article written by Melissa Mahoney was from August, it was August 18th. Oh, I'm just saying, Arcadia itself apparently opened in 2009. Oh, okay. So we're, we're a little behind on that. All right. You get, a, you get a little cocktail arcade in your room there. You get a little, little a couple arcade machines. Sitting there, candy cab looks like looks like a Pac Man, an original Pac Man. It looks like yeah. So next door to the arcade museum is a historic building. Is the uh, in a historic building is the original Hotel Arcadia. This condo can accommodate up to six feet. Pe- pe- condo can accommodate. 
condo can accommodate up to six people and features two bedrooms with a kid's loft, one bathroom, a pinball machine with 10 free plays and four oh, arcade games set to free play. You put that pinball. Why? Why are wait, they wait, so stingy with the they, pinball? They show a crystal castle set up near the kitchen. It looks like an original. You're saying that's not on free play. No, the arcade machines are the pinball machine only gets 10 free plays. They're expensive. Yeah, they, <laughs> they are. are. I mean, I get it. I get it. They cost several thousand dollars each. You got to make that money back. I depending get it. on how much you're charging me uh, for this. Looks like a beautiful suite, 4,000 square foot loft. That's I, I always wanted a loft like, like Connor McLeod has in Highlander. Oh, lofts are cool. Yeah, I always wanted a lo- sucking loft. But yeah, this would probably it's be like a living, fun It's place like living to in stay. a warehouse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or living in a warehouse. All right, check out Arcadia if you're in Illinois. You can also check out a, a store that's worldwide, ultimateintendo.com. You can get RBI baseball stickers, Ian's Judgy on the segue. You can get books, uh, Super Nintendo or NES. You can also get uh, some enamel pins. And uh, I can announce I'll be at officially Retro World Expo in Connecticut. That's going to be uh, November, weekend of November 6th, 5th and 6th. I should know this before I say this stuff. That first full weekend, go to RetroWorldExpo.com, 6th and 7th. That's in Hartford, Connecticut. I haven't been there in uh, three years. It's been three years since I've been there. Looking forward to coming back, getting sushi, and getting friendlies, most importantly, right there. I'm also, I'll be on Twitch tomorrow, Wednesday, twitch.tv slash code. And uh, Cameo, we got to record a Cameo still. we got to do it before you leave later. Cameo.com slash Pat Country. Game & Watch turned up, Ian, a rare one. Yeah, was it was fun? the, <clears throat> I believe it was for 20,000 units um, sold. Units? What are, we, what are we on a space show? No, units. Items. I mean, oh, I thought I thought you meant that's what what it's sold for in terms of like the price. When no, you said units, no, space, no, 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 space sir. credits, no, sir. Twenty million games, twenty sold. million, uh, twenty thousand. Yeah, twenty thousand. They sold twenty thousand balls. Yeah, you know, at least uh, for twenty million units sold, and it ended. And uh, Gunpei Gunpei Yokoi asked for a special edition to be created that had uh, his image and the image of other Nintendo executives on the front. Um, it's extremely rare. Mamos and uh, Ishida. Um, they look like the Pep Boys, Manny, Moe, and Jack. Yes, they do. The Pep Boys. It looks like the Pep Boys a lot. And, and it's a regular uh, Donkey Kong multi-screen, which is one of the more common game watches somehow. I, I own one. And it came out in uh, 82. Um. So my understanding is this went for approximately nine thousand US. US dollars. Yep. Which Oops. is I mean, by all accounts and from everyone who's been talking about it and knows about the actual rarity of these, that's a that's nothing. It's a fucking song. Nine thousand dollars. It's a museum piece. Yeah. So when we talk about stuff that if, if, who knows they only made five or ten years, like who knows how many they actually made for these. And the, but the fact that we haven't seen one in forty years right. is incredible. And it's in good shape. The box is the same, but obviously it's etched differently. Uh, on on the case there, they put it. They, they slipped another different uh, like metal cover on it. There, yes, a metal piece. Um, that's uh, it's a fantastic. And, and before Mario tweeted this, I guess they cover stuff. Be- Nintendo before Mario. Technically, this was not before Mario. We had Jumpman, but it's close enough. <laughs> it makes sense. Eighty three would be, I guess, the official Mario 
we named him Mario with Mario Brothers. Like that's it. But uh, yeah, no, it's very cool, and it's an early example of a special edition console. Not the earliest example of a special edition console, oh. as I was reading, oh. uh, and Chris Kohler and Kelsey Lewin were discussing, uh, and I think they both have one. There is a, a special edition ramen shop uh, color game uh, system that exists, and I think they both have one. Oh, like a pong clone? Yeah. Oh, that sounds cool. So the, but it's uh, it was like sold through a ramen shop or whatever, and I think it has like the logo of the ramen shop. That's pretty it. damn cool. So, I don't know about that. Interesting, because I would have been like, yeah, this is probably like the first special edition console. It's not. Nintendo wow. actually had a special edition before that. I wouldn't classify technically. Actually, I don't call it a console. Special edition item. Yeah, special edition game item. That's, well, well, I'm Mr. No, not for game because we we're talking about the you know Mr. Boston Vectrex game and stuff like that. But it's cool. It's, it's an cool. early one. It's an early one. And the Soldier Boy Atari feud is insane that this is actually happening. Soldier Boy hurts uh, my head to try to pay attention to it, but he was running his mouth and seemed to be under the impression that he is now the CEO of Atari. He, yes, he said, "I own Atari, and I'm selling." Soldier Boy games for 140 million. He just tossed that in like it's an actual company when it's not. No, it's um, it's it's not. <laughs> it's like I want my name on a product from China. Put it on it. That's Doesn't not mean a, you're the CEO of a company. A, now. It's not a game company, and, <laughs> no. and it's not worth anything. You're, you're, you're drop shipping a customized item. How much money did this guy actually have? I, I looked up his history. It's like yeah, he had some di- big digital single hits in the late 2000s, early 2010s. Well, yeah, he uh, was. I mean, huge in the early 2000s, mid 2000s. So. But, like, so apparently, so Atari had a tweet out in, in a funny way without saying his name. We know that CEO of Atari is a dream job, but that honor belongs to Wade Rosen. So they basically said that. We don't know what this guy's talking about. So then uh, I, I came in. There's so many expletives. I came in, like, run, the, run what he said. He goes off on Atari then in, 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 in like a, in like a, a I did not Instagram watch the, live post. I did not watch the follow-up. I just watched the first video where he stated that he, he owned Atari. He went off. A lot of expletives. I had to beep out everything um, and said, like, you know, fuck Atari. This is an old company. It's like, yeah, well, you're just happy that you, you thought you were the CEO. Then he showed a contract that he's like, I even signed a contract. And then people pointed out that it was a contract for the Atari token for their crypto that he bought. So did Atari get in touch with him to buy the crypto? And did they fool him? Or did someone else send him a contract that he signed to buy the crypto that is worthless and there wasn't even like a soldier boy pump that happened when he was talking about it because i looked up the price <laughs> so is the atari crypto on the market already you yeah you can get it oh god the atari to- so it's bizarre because he, either he's lying for attention or he got tricked and is an idiot and just bought some Atari crypto through a contract. Like he showed the contract. He said, I've got the contract. He said, I'm, I, I said, I, I don't cap. I'm paraphrasing. I'm showing the contract. And people like got the contract, then like zoomed in and said, oh, this is for the Atari crypto. This wasn't for the company. I, he's, I, I, uh, I mean, the, I, from what I've seen of him in his public appearances, especially lately, I, I would say that it could be either. It could be uh, he got tricked or he's just an idiot or he's an idiot who got tricked. I, I don't know. Did there he buy go. all of the Atari crypto, or was it literally just a contract he signed to purchase some Atari crypto? It was probably to buy some, and now I want to see the contract. Said, like, I don't know if they said who identified it, but it'd be funny if Atari said, we're going to hoodwink this guy, and we're going to, we're going to trick him into buying our... our uh, what's, what's Atari token worth? Atari token value. Uh, it's, it's at five and a half cents right now per token. Oh, there wow. you go. incredible. 
and his him talking about it or he sh- if he was smart he should have talked up the token to at least get some money out of the pump Maybe yeah, I mean, push it to ten least, cents and double yeah, your money instead of saying you own Atari. Just be like, I bought some Atari tokens because yes. I'm a CEO of my own game company Come on, and I so- do game stuff. Come on, soldier boy, you don't even know how to do the proper pump and dump. Got to teach you that. You know what's happening here? Um, yeah, you can buy it. They're not, they're not teaching kids about the pump and dump in school how, anymore. How, how old is this kid? Like twenty eight? He's not young anymore. He's not thirty five. No, I don't. I think he's one of those people who acts younger than he is. Let's see, Soldier Boy age. I'm going to say thirty two. How old is he? Thirty one. Okay. okay. All right. All right. I was close. Yeah, it got to six cents. He should have. Now it's down to five. So yeah, this Dogecoin. This is not Ian, which is now on the rise again for another pump. We should keep pumping and dumping the Doge. I have not paid attention to it, but it's I thought, last I saw Doge was at 30, 30 cents. So if you know how to ride those waves and you can make money off of other people, um, but it's still uh, it's still a joke. Obviously, it's literally a joke. Dogecoin. Anyway, so yeah, that's uh, that's our uh, exciting Atari uh, news, Ian. Okay, well, we're done with the podcast. There we go. Let's do it. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. All right, Ian. Yeah, uh, we've been we've been discussing and covering now for a good two and a half years at least the uh, surging graded game market, uh, water graded games, wait, 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 huh? heritage auctions uh, selling these games. People grade games. <laughs> yes, isn't that kind of a strange thing? Uh, mostly sealed games, sometimes complete in box. And uh, we've been talking and alluding and sometimes pointing out the fact that we thought it was strange that. People that are involved in running the auction companies are also involved with grading the games or, or, or familiar with them or sometimes working with those people in some way as a consultant or advisor on an executive board. Also are the same people buying the games in the same marketplace and how that's unethical and that's weird. And this, the first thing that we thought was weird was the $100,000 sale of the Super Mario Brothers second print. The one that eventually ended up on Pawn Stars. That sale happened, what was that, early 2019 about? Yeah. That sort of kick-started a lot of this fervor. And and one of the gentlemen involved with in that sale, it was public, was Jim Halperin. Jim Halperin was one of the three people that bought that cart. Jim Halperin founded Heritage Auctions. Yes. So we thought, that's strange. Why is this not being talked about by people? Why are people thinking that... There's nothing going on here. And then we saw the growth of what's been happening the past two years. Huge auctions, growing prices, insane stuff like Spider-Man for Atari Seal going for a lot of money. Then we then we come to July. It seems like it was forever ago already when we have a $1.5 million Mario 64, a $1 million Zelda, and then we see a $2 million sale that, uh, that the Rally Investment App owned of a not even first or second print run, Super Mario Brothers, like a 1987 uh, cellophane-sealed one, and what is happening here. And that was an inflection point, I think, in this conversation, was that 
big auction in July with the one and a half million dollar Mario 64. Because people were like, we can't explain this. Right. Even uh, Dennis Conatwana says, I can't explain why this went for this amount of money. So, and even Heritage Auctions was like, what? So I think that was the point where people started, it should have happened earlier, but that was the point where people started to look into this and wonder what's happening. Mm -hmm. One of those individuals is a man and speedrunner and YouTuber named Carl Jobst. Carl uh, had been following this on the periphery for a while. Um, he was, has been following our podcast. He used to say, hey, you know, good job talking about this, whatever. But when he saw this, his ears uh, perked up, as everyone should have. And he started investigating. And he put together a 50-minute investigated video that came out on Monday, August 23rd, exposing fraud and deception in the retro video game market. And this is a tour de force of investigative journalism, uh, looking at the history of some of the players here involved in this, who's working for who, their connections. And the, 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 the thing about this information that Carl put out in this video, and please watch this, this was all public information. This is stuff that yes. was either uh, searchable, you could go on Google and find it, some of this stuff was S public SEC filings from investment uh, investments uh, site apps that records of them buying some of these games. So my main takeaway from, from from it is this: it's not shocking this information came to light. We had alluded to some of this before. Uh, some of this had been known, but it's it's the level uh, I think uh, of the relationships that I was not aware of. And the propping up of certain individuals is what became shocking to me in order to grow this market. And that involved potentially uh, journalists and, and real publications putting out these articles, which I'll get into, uh, that kind of surprised me and how much damage they helped do. And we're talking about several articles that have been written about these big sales uh, in the past uh, two and a half years. And the damage... Those uh, inadvertently, probably those journalists did in helping this grow to a point of no 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 return. That's what's shocking to me because this information was out in the open, and any journalist could have found this. this Carl should not have been the first person to uh, put together some very easy easy to find puzzle pieces. Yeah, the the dots weren't <clears throat> weren't obfuscated. Um, they they could have been connected pretty much at, at any time. Um, I thought it was a very informative video, though. It goes through um, some of the things that we've talked about. Um, it talks about uh, Jim Halpern's connection to the coin bubble in the 80s, which I think is, uh, which I knew a little bit about, but I think that was the big information for uh, a lot of people, um, was sure. just learning about that, that this is, not, this is not his first rodeo. Yeah, Jim Halpern... Uh, was involved in the uh, coin market bubble in the 80s. And it bubbled to a point that it has not returned to even accounting for inflation. It has not gotten back up to where the prices were in the 80s. Think, think about that. In 35 years, it has not come back to that point, even accounting for inflation. That's insane. So much for that uh, him and other individuals got fined uh, for, for, for some uh, potentially shady stuff. Yeah, uh, I was watching. The government. It. I was watching it last night with Vani, and she was just nodding her head in agreement the whole time. That I think everyone's got a couple knowledge bases that they're not particularly like 
it's not really their thing, but they've just happened to learn about it along the way. And one of sure. Bonnie's is coins because um, there is a, a uh, there is a coin case at comics and stuff. So okay. she has to she has to know about all that stuff, and she doesn't really handle it, but she's learned it all. And um, yeah, she's like, oh yeah, this is this is exactly the same thing <laughs> that that happened back then. It was interesting to see all that. Um, and I, I had family that was really into the coin stuff in the eighties too. Uh, I mean, I, it, it, when you think about it, it's crazy because a lot of people were into that coin stuff. I remember oh, that sure. was a very popular hobby. I have all sorts. I've got like three or four Atari discs, or Atari discs, Apple II discs that have that were that came from my grandparents' house that have various like coin databases and coin guides and stuff on them. Like this was it was an extremely popular hobby pumped up i think by uh people who said this is a way to make a uh, you know killing so this is what carl revealed in his video jim halperin uh was into coins in the 80s he founded one of a couple of coin grading companies to help it the and first one the second the two big ones weren't him but there was one before the two big ones that was sure related to him. so he was involved with that he wrote a book about it then he f- founds heritage auctions right at the time so he's involved with the grading of the product. He's involved in the auction house. And then it got so big that outside investment money got into it yeah. to help build the bubble. Does that sound familiar? Is that not a parallel to what's happening right now? It exactly is. And so when you have the same players involved, you have the same uh, modus operandi happening because Jim is involved. He, he helped with WADA. It's the exact same playbook being put into place. Exactly. And of course, the coin market crashed. What I did, I think uh, one of the things that I did not know about, though, is the uh, speaking of the coin market, which I know isn't like the main focus, but uh, the hedge funds didn't know about that. They fucking did hedge funds on coin investment. That, yeah, that's they, hedge, hedge funds put money in. And people There's lost a lot of money. hedge funds based on people giving money to other people to invest in coins. That was wild. So, so that's a part of the story, but it just shows the players involved and they had the know how to create a bubble. They absolutely do. But how else do you create a bubble? He went into the articles that were written about um, about this, not questioning any of the sale prices or the people involved. Hey, a $100,000 Super Mario Brothers. That's, that sounds great. Not like glossing over the fact that one of them is the guy that's now they're owning or created the site that's auctioning off these games. And he's also involved with the company, Graham. So I want to focus on one uh, article here that we didn't really bring up at the time, or I don't remember if we did. It, w- it talked about Eric Nyerman. He's he was the dentist that was the one of the biggest game collectors. I read the article at the time. I thought it was strange. I'd never heard of Eric. And the reason why you never heard of her is a Washington Post article. The reason why you never heard of Eric, or uh, I didn't hear my past, you know, decades of, of video game collecting, because he didn't start collecting video games until earlier 2019. He's a speculator. He founded an LLC just to be a speculator. He reveals this in a video that Carl turned up that he went on like a podcast or conversation. He literally says, I am creating a market. I'm creating a market. He went to his neighbors to get investment money for this venture to buy all these sealed games in 2019. $1 million worth of games he bought in 2019. He didn't collect games uh, before. We, we talked about that. I remember. We that. did we, talk about that. Yeah, we talked about the guy who bought like who bought a million dollars worth of I think a okay. million dollars worth of games. But when you see this article being written, uh, I'm not throwing uh, Jacob uh, Bogage under the bus, 
But when you see something written like one of the world's most avid video game collectors, you're not one of the most avid video game collectors just based upon the amount of money you spent. If you got into it several months earlier and you are a speculator that is clearly trying to make a profit on this. That does not make you a video game collector. You are a speculator. This guy could have speculated with any other trinket or any other bobble he thought that could he could help pump the market on. And he admits that in the video. He admits that. So when you see articles like this being written, like retro, you know, retro Game Gold Rush, this guy, Eric, holding two copies of a sealed game that he had no interest in collecting two years before this, sure. all of a sudden. It all, it all goes back to the false narrative they try to uh, try to raise these speculators that, oh, I'm doing this because I love this. And I always said that, no, I, I've never met yeah, anyone. This, this isn't about love of the game. No. Oh, well, love of the hobby. Love of the hobby, yes. So, or, or, or I meant the game itself, not uh, not like love of the game. <laughs> so It's obviously about a love of investing. In these articles, you have Heritage Auctions reps show up. You see uh, reps from WADA, usually Dennis Kahn, show up and saying, oh, these prices are going to go to the moon. And it's like, it's so transparent, but it's like, why at the time did not anyone think that this was the game plan? Like, this was what the game plan was. This happens in other hobbies. It's happened before. These are all people interconnected with each other. Why, first of all, why did this article get written? How was the Washington Post and the author, Jacob, how was he made aware that Eric was spending a million dollars on these games? Right. To even write an article about this. This is... This is a like a, a propaganda piece for the speculators and for, for Wad and for Heritage Auctions. That's what it comes across as. But this is one of several articles that was written where, where the authors did not do any diligence, it seems, to really look at, is there anything behind the surface of this? What are the actual motivations of the players involved? Right. Is, is this on the up and up? And that's what is infuriating to me about this, that Carl did all this work that should have been done for him the past two and a half years. Like, it should have been done in some way, shape, or form. And, and for the most part, in almost all the articles written, save from, I think, maybe, I think the New York Times did an article, they got some pushback a little bit. You know, everyone was very, very willing to take this at face value because no one wants to, no one wants to accept that this sort of nonsense is coming into their hobby. You think that's what it is? Yes. No one wants to. Everyone wants to think that it's their a naivety. Hobby, I think it's naivety. I think it's everyone wants to think that their hobby is different and that it's not. It's 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 not being taken over by people Outs- who outside forces that have no interest. Outside forces and rich people that are just trying to get richer. They don't care yes. about it. They're going to strip mine it and leave it for dead. I, I think sometimes uh, people want that. You know, they think it's going to validate the hobby or 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 lift it up a little bit, so they go with it for a little bit. But it, but it doesn't. When does when did money ever equate to importance for for a hobby? Like when did that ever ch- make something better in your eyes? It's like when I collected baseball cards when I was a kid, I didn't care what the cards were worth. It was just the hobby. When I was into comic books, it was like you focus on what you're collecting first. You worry about the value second, the secondary part of it. And the same with video games. The fact that we have a, a million dollar video game doesn't make video game collecting any greater in my mind. It has nothing to do with it. And it's such a weird, uh, I don't know, it's, it's like a falsehood that they, 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 it helps the hobby or it makes it more important. It's just, again, it helps rich people get richer. That's sure. what it does. Yeah. And it happened with comics 10, 15 years ago. They pumped up that market, you know, after you know, the MC movies come out and then there's market manip- manipulation going on there. 
I mean, I, I said it before, there's been market manipulation with any hobby. It's, it's happening with sports cards right now. It's happening probably with Magic and Pokemon cards. You know, it happens oh, yeah. with everything. Mm-hmm. Just because a Pokemon card goes for a million dollars doesn't make Pokemon better in anyone's it, it eyes. It doesn't legitimize Pokemon. It doesn't legitimize it. Video games is already one of the biggest industries yeah, in the world. I was going to say, video games have been legitimized by the fact that it's it, it, uh, it, it, it overtook movies in terms of, like, I mean... Well, again, that's linking it to money, but there are other metrics by which you can, by which you can say that everyone the hobby plays has been video legitimated, games. Le- le- legitimized. legitimized. Everyone, <laughs> everyone plays video games. There was a point in time where video games was a niche thing. It's it's one of the biggest, if not the biggest, entertainment medium in the world. Yeah, video games. So that to me is more important. Not necessarily the money, but the money reflects the amount of interest in people doing it. You know. So um, the take my my takeaways are, are this. There's been a dereliction of duty amongst journalists, mainstream and game journalists, when it comes to this coverage. I feel like a fucking crazy person talking about this stuff for years with Ian, because I feel like people don't believe us. I feel like I'm on an island. Not just with this, with other topics, but like, I feel like I've had arguments in person with people I respect about We love islands. But like, we love being on an island. I feel like a crazy person when I'm, you know, one of the only people with Ian pointing this stuff out with any, not saying we have a huge reach, but like, you don't I, need I to feel like crazy. crazy. You just bide your time until it comes to light because it's always going to come to light. But like, I just feel like I'm a, like, like I, I feel like people think I'm an insane person. Yeah, people that we know in the community were like, Pat, Pat's insane. He's like, a, he's like a conspiracy theorist or whatever. And it's like, I like, I'm just tired of it. But thankfully, now other people have been looking at this, including a very big person on Twitter, a best selling political author, Seth Abramson, who I didn't know was following our podcast. No, I but didn't know that either. Uh, for a long time, crazy. I tweeted at him a couple times about, "Hey, what's your favorite?" You know, he's sometimes, sometimes he, one time he did like an AMA thing on Twitter. I said, "Hey, what's your favorite?" Uh, you know, uh, game console, or whatever. Because because Seth, I started following Seth when he had less than a thousand followers. Seth got the prominence by he was one of the first people. Again, not at mainstream journals. He connected all the uh, all the dots between the Russian collusion with the Ukraine stuff and all the all the election stuff. Like he was one of the guys that did that way before the mainstream media. And he's written uh, books, and he has like a, almost a million Twitter uh, followers. Um, a few years ago, he had like almost no Twitter followers. So it's like I was following because like, oh, I saw his stuff early. He seemed reasonable. He does investigative journalism, but online basically, put piecing together stuff the same way Carl has done. Uh, but the Wada stuff, this is like an intersection of interest. The Wada stuff started to pique his interest as well, and he started looking into historical prices. He's he's also thinking it's weird. There's been no population reports. And how with population reports, you could reveal that this stuff isn't rare. That's being auctioned off. Just like the Spider-Man 2600. Well, we know that's not rare. There's a, a, there's a sealed game or two coming up every single auction. There's a lot more behind it. So Seth did a great piece of, uh, did a great piece of work um, that's for free on his, um, his site where he's l- tracked all the sales of sealed NES games just to get a feel for what's out there. But he also revealed something that I did not personally know about. Uh, he's been going on Facebook groups and trying to engage with these speculators and people, and obviously they've been extremely hostile towards him. And he's been taken aback by how hostile t- they've been towards him because they realize that the truth deflates the value of these games long term. Right. So it comes out. But I did not realize that at one point in time the information was available uh, in a roundabout way on the population reports were available. Uh, on water, if you knew how to search and get the data, I had no idea. Neither did I. That was new to me. So, uh, so because obviously Wada knows what's been passing through their hands. Oh, of course. Obviously, they know they know the n- number of games per system, what grades they are. 
They know that. So there was one point in time when this information was made public. It was gathered and made public on uh, what, 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 what used to be Nintendo Age, uh, Video Game Age. So this information got out there and was posted, and it was deleted and from Facebook groups, it, it sounds like. It was deleted from website forums. Uh, it was wiped. Yeah. Like it didn't exist. They even don't, though, even they don't they want ever, you to have that because it ruins... It, 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 it ruins opportunities to make money. It, it ruins this uh, this rocket tra- trajectory they've been on. If you realize that, hey, maybe there's really, I don't know, uh, hundreds of this sealed game out there, or even 50 of this sealed game, or even 10. When you have real numbers and information uh, to potential buyers, it might give them pause. Well, and they showed, the, I feel like the, docu- uh, the documentary, I mean, it was, it was almost... Um, documentaries the the video showed uh the thing that i i always love to talk about personally love to talk about on here when we'd go through the heritage auctions and that was the decline of the spider-man on the uh 2600 2600 that's what happens when population reports get out that's not a population report but people were pretty quick to figure out okay there's a lot of these out here we don't need to do this anymore and you watch the price go from nine thousand to 850-something. Yeah, lost 90% of the value Yeah, within several months. We talked about it. We, went, we like, watched it in real time. I mean, I, I laughed. I always looked forward to the next Spider-Mans because they were always going to be low. Yeah, last year we saw it decline, 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 decline. Yeah, with every one that was out, with, ex- with the exception of one, I think, where it went from like 1,700 like up to 2,200 or something. But it, it was a solid decline. This is what Seth said on his Twitter thread. Uh, there are whispers that certain sellers have been able to get non-public population report data, an indication of illicit market manipulation, as population report data is insanely valuable in a collectibles market, and those who have that data have an enormous edge. Exactly. Uh, at one point, which is why you shouldn't be buying and selling the games you're part of the grading company of. Sure. You shouldn't be involved. Uh, now we've seen it happen with multiple individuals. Um, at one point, WADA had an API leak. Their website interface was delivering game-by-game pop report data to individuals who went on the site and liked or tracked individual, individual games. The leak was clearly plugged. It was a coding issue, but the data got out and made a splash. What the data showed was that a vanishingly small number of games were being graded as a percentage of each console's game library. Um, then it goes into that. Um, it wasn't a legal ha- hack. It showed that in three-plus years in operation, WADA had graded the most graded NES game approximately 750 times. 750 times before that uh, uh, leak got plugged. Wow. So... So Seth did a uh, did a good job putting together information he got, but he's use, he was he's now using it. Unfortunately, he has to go off of the the heritage auction data, which is obviously a small part of what's actually been graded. It's probably like probably only 15 percent. If I had to guess, twenty percent of stuff that's been graded has come up for sale. It's probably less than that. Sure. People are probably holding on to stuff. Oh yeah, it's Absolutely. been it's minutia. That's why when you see like oh Super Mario uh, sixty four uh, sealed, you think that there's not a lot more of those. You don't think that. You don't think there's a lot more of even 9.0s? There's not at least a handful more of those? Gotta be at least some. Gotta be some. So, yeah, go watch that video. Do you have any other, other thoughts about it? It's an extremely important video. It's gonna it's it's making waves already, but I really hope that that game journalists really realize that their, their job is not to help other people make money. Their job is to help report the truth. Sure. And not to think that, oh, we're in a bull market and that makes video games better. Because we see rich people getting richer, that's that's not what what it's supposed to be about. Yeah, I mean, no, I don't really have much else to say about it, but I did think it was great. 
It was a good video. You like your little cameo uh, in the Carl video? No, don't like it. I was very, very high. I, I have no problem with being in the video. In there. You're high, or no? I have no problem with being in the video. This that's not a. It's not me being angry at, at Carl. Uh, but when I am, I when I am very high, the last thing I want to do is see myself on TV when I'm not expecting it. I'm sitting there with Vani, and I'm like, oh, all right. Did you, how did you like my hair? Was it, too, it was popular than usual. It was, hum, it was humid that night when I recorded. It was real puffy. I, it, was, it was humid. I looked at my footage like, my hair looks, looks like, uh, I look, look like a wig. That's how, that's how puffy it looked. It's very puffy. All right. Well, well, good, good job. Good guy. My grandma's hair used to do that when it would get real humid. Thanks, Ian. We'll, we'll end on that note. Now a million people are going to see my hair in that state. <laughs> oh, thanks for the opportunity, Carl. And also, uh, Sean from Reserved Investments, who, who also added um, his expertise No, I like listening well. to that guy talk. Sean's great. Sean, Sean's, a, Sean's a good guy, and he, he, he knows about the coin market as well. He was, a, he was around to see that. This portion of the CU podcast is sponsored by Geology. If you grew up playing the NES, played with some Ninja Turtle figures back then, it might be time to start thinking about a skincare routine. And Geology is a simple skincare routine formulated for daily use. It's for both individuals new to skincare and seasoned skincare experts. Geology is personalized for your skin and the benefits you want to see. It's great for individuals with sensitive skin, acne, dark eye circles, or wrinkles. It's easy to get started with geology. You take a 30-second quiz on their website, and they formulate a regimen that provides benefits your skin needs the most. So you can focus on things like the dark, puffy circles under your eyes. I got them. It can help fight acne. Um, it can help reduce oil. Anyone who's seen me on this podcast knows that I could use a little help with that. You start with a complete trial set. They work best as a set, so start with all four. You get everyday face wash. You get vital morning face cream a repairing night cream, and a nourishing eye cream. I really like that nourishing eye cream. I love as, the eye cream. As we favorite. get older, it's very easy to see I, that we're tired. I look tired all the time. I'm yes. not. And the nourishing eye cream will help lighten those dark spots underneath. So you get all this to start with, and then you can continue with 90-day supplies of any of the products that you like the most. You can subscribe and save or go a la carte you're in total control exceptional customer service and skin consultation they guarantee that you will love geology and can help you at every step of the way to achieve your goals and people will notice the changes people will comment on your face you look you look brighter you look more awake you look fresher geology has three thousand five-star customer reviews with an average rating of 4.7 it's pretty good and they've been recognized by men's health esquire and ask men 2019 grooming awards all right how do you get started and take your personalized quiz and get your own formulation going? Well, you head to geology.com and take their free skincare quiz to save up to 40% on your 30 days trial, or just click the link below if you're on YouTube. That's G-E-O-L-O-G-I-E.com to save 40% off your 30 day trial and get that skin looking, looking a bit better. All right, Ian, mm -hmm. um, do you, do you want to help raise money for an upcoming game console? I don't. I don't, but in Television Amico, I'm dead inside. In Television Amico uh, has just started another round of funding via Fundable. Crowdfunding. It's an investment site. Uh, it's definitely crowdfunding, just like everything else Tommy Tallarico has done with this has been. It's crowdfunding. It's crowdfunding. It's crowdfunding. Um the thing about this fundable, this round of fundable uh, crowdfunding is that it lays bare some very uh, blatant lies. Um, 
or, or at least some fudging of the facts, maybe? Uh, sure, you can. I mean, if you want to give them the, some fudging of the facts, it, it basically exposes the things uh, from their own mouth that we have talked about um, for a year. Namely, that this was never simply a parts problem. Um, this is a problem of firmware, of uh, internet backend, um, and games. And they say it all on the site. Um, the back end, I believe, is 80% complete. They say well, the OS is 90% complete. This is what they, they have, say. They have to lay all these facts out. Especially because if it's going to be an actual investor, they, they have to do it. And we don't know if it's true or not. They say hardware is 100% complete. They probably mean the main design. Gaming platform OS, 90% complete. 90% complete OS means you don't have an OS. That thing's got to be buttoned up buttoned up. I do not believe it's actually at 90%, and even if it was at 90%, that's a long 10%. Remember, th- at the Crayola event, they did not allow people to videotape the OS. They, like, they, they did not want people... Someone did, and they said that it looked like a basic Android dev screen. So that means it's not done. So this is what I'm going to say about this, this complete percentages. Based upon their awful track record, I ain't giving the benefit of the doubt when that. No. Subtract like 40% off all of this shit, at least. forty. So when they say 90% complete, it's probably closer to half. And if anyone balks about us not they giving them... They show us them, evidence. If, yeah. if, well, if anyone balks about us not giving them the benefit of the doubt, uh, this is a guy who has said multiple times that this system would have been ready to go. If it wasn't for parts. In 10, 10, 220, it was just a parts problem. That was it. 2020, yep, 10, 10. It was just parts. But that's all been bullshit, and everything he's told you has been a lie. He has lied to you. You know, despite the fact that you think he's your friend, he has lied to you consistently about the con- the, 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 the shape of this console. 40 games in development. I'm going to call Bravo Sierra on that. I don't think it's probably 40. It's probably half of that. Development, uh, I'm going to say, this is what I'm going to ba- also based on how we've seen uh, this, this go wow. down in the past. Development means someone had an idea about it or he mentioned it to someone and they said, wouldn't that be something? And no, I, I guarantee you 20 of those games, 10 of them at least, are not actually in development. Or it just means we have a, you know, a license deal. In we place. thought about it. Yeah, or yeah. we have the license, but we haven't done anything on yeah. the game. Yeah. Get, getting a proof of concept of a game or two doesn't mean it's in the active development. Yeah. You, it, you it, I, I don't think you could call something like Earthworm Jim for actively in development. Or, or, their, or their baseball game. Or their soccer game they show. You, know, you can't call it that. We would have seen more from yeah. Earthworm Jim if it was actively in development. Remember, we haven't seen uh, new Night Stalker footage or, or uh, Cloudy Mountain in two years. New footage of that. Yeah. Uh, so they say six six packing games, ninety five percent complete. Now, a majority of those are the German funded, uh, using taxpayer money funded games. So that's probably the only thing closer to truth. Probably in my opinion is like stuff like Astro Smash and Moon Patrol. That stuff is probably closer to complete. Yeah, but you'll note that they don't say any one game is a hundred percent complete. Back end systems eighty percent complete. Okay, OS ninety percent and back end eighty percent again. Take those percentages way down, in my so opinion. So that's where I think they're yeah. probably fudging the numbers to make it look better than it is. But, I, but but here's the thing. Even at 80%, that's bad. A system that is entirely... Because your physical products aren't physical products in the, the sense that you they wanted anyone to think. Yeah. Um, your system is relies entirely on that internet backend system Absolutely. To, to serve the games. Yes, so you can't have an 80% back. It has to be all. Otherwise, you have no leaderboards. What, what does 80% mean? You have, no, you have no leaderboards then. You can't do firmware updates to your console. You can't do software updates to, your, you know, to the game's potential. You don't have anything then. No, right. it's got to be done. 
It's got to be buttoned up. This is what it comes back to, again, to the, to the job listings that were still not filled summer and fall of 2020 for a console that's supposed to come out. They needed the people to work on this stuff that's still not 100% completed. We were called crazy for that again. It's like, no, that was the truth. They were a year behind at least last summer. At least. I literally have nothing else to say other than this, because we a lot of it is it, it's very easy for me oh, to, I have more to say about things. this. Great. Um, <laughs> nothing is 100% complete. Nothing is 100% ready to go. Nothing is ready to be shown. Uh, simply by saying 100% on the hardware, to me, that means that Tommy and Co. has picked a list of components to make the system. They 100% know what they want. They know, the the, they know that they know that the parts going onto the system. They literally know how to make the thing without, but but it stops at turning it on. Gotcha. It's like we can make the physical item, but not you. I believe. Use it. I believe. Yeah, and I think that's something. When he used to say the hardware was ready to go, I used. I think a lot of people used to think that that meant that the console it was also done. meant the console itself was done, no. including the operating system. No, I think this means that they have finally gotten their parts list down to what they need to put it together. But like I said, it stops at the power button. Once the power button goes on, that's a whole nother problem. They have not even come close to finishing. I want to talk about this customer acceptance stuff. This is very important. I uh, hear customer acceptance. A market research of retro gamers and families of broad age ranges of children have generated positive feedback. It's always this like broad, broad range uh, in customer. You know, we we did market research. I I I would love for someone to tell me what market research firm they hired, what external independent market research firm they hired to do this market research. To them, it was probably they put it in front of people inside their own controlled environment and said, yes. hey, do you like this? And of course, they're going to say, yeah. You no, know. That's my guess, too. It, it's Tommy's yes, man. So like that's Women, not kids. how you do market research. Market research has to be you hire a third party because you can bias the research you can misinterpret the research. You hire a firm to do this work for you. And with how Tommy is super excited to talk about all of his partnerships, if they had had a firm, he would have mentioned it. He would not have been able to resist mentioning it yeah. and then mentioning two other things that that he would firm have, worked on. He would have posted, hey, Pat, you liar. Here's here's the firm we hired to do the market research. Here's the firm we hired. So they, they, so, okay. so they show off. The, uh, they, they have a link to the National Video Game Museum uh, reactions. That happened now is from April or this year. Um, then they say this 1.9 million in pre orders via direct online sales, 6,000 plus units sold. Pre orders sold out on a website in a matter of hours. Okay. Why did that ring some bells in my head, Ian? It rang some bells in my head because to this point, we thought there was around 13,000 direct pre orders. And that number goes back to the FIGS investment, original crowdfunding investment. Uh, that happened in 2020 that started uh, April of 2020. So that number right now is a little over 13,000. That number in my mind included the 2,600 founder editions. And then after that, they did what, what Tommy claims is that they sold 10,000 more pre-orders after that. 10,000 plus 2,600 is about 12, 12.6. So that number, I believe, was then put on figs. And then they did pre-orders from that. And they did about 500 more pre-orders to get to that 13,000. Why are they not touting 13,000? Why is it only 6,000 on here? Why is it less than half of that number? So two things happened. Either they, one lied, either they lied to inflate the numbers or they lost half their pre-orders. One of the two things happened here. One of those two things. 
There's uh, what's there's, the third choice? There's absolutely no uh, jumbo jack. Jumbo jack. Unless they're gonna, unless some of the people are going to claim that they did uh, some of these pre-orders were six thousand or seven thousand were on GameStop. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because because this was for sale on figs before it was for pre-order. That thirteen thousand number was before it was for pre-order on GameStop. So what what's happening here? What's happening here? Did they lose half of their pre-orders, or was it bullshit to begin with the pre-order number? Either way, it's not good. At least they're being honest here. Finally. Well, that's the thing. At least some way. I'm willing to believe that this is somewhat close to honest, because no matter how you try to spin this, it does not look good. Well, it's their, their only hope is that people who see this don't do any research into what was said in the past. Well, it's also honest that we don't have Jay Allard on their team here. So that's good. He's not showing up as as meet the team. There's there's other individuals on here that are, are that were there originally and are not there anymore, including Kara Acker. She's not on there, so she had a short stay uh, on, on the on the on the team as well. You know, yes, his Avengers of the video game industry ended up being a big flop. He literally called in the in the, in the sleazy Neil Patel uh, video. Said I have I have assembled, and that was a video from earlier this year. I have assembled the the Avengers of of of, of the video game industry, and some of those people aren't with the company anymore. The Avengers have been have been killed off, like in, in like in uh, in Endgame. They're just dropping left and right. Yes, you know, or retiring. <laughs> Basically, yeah, you, hey, we got we got we got Captain America. He retired. He's done. Passed the shield. That's he's part. Of, he was part of the team. He's not working on it now. Captain America was just a global managing director. Yeah, there you go. Now he's now he's old. Hey Sam. Hey Tommy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna move on from this. looking like Joe Biden. That shit heel. Oh, geez, Ian. Um, they talk about their partnerships, and then they talk about the good old. $25 million in, I guess, uh, units ordered, global retailer purchase orders include Walmart, GameStop, Best Buy, Media Market, and more. Okay, purchase orders don't mean anything until they're fulfilled. They don't mean anything. And I'm not an expert on purchase orders, but I know that they can be rescinded. They can, if, if, if this goes on long oh, enough, absolutely. Walmart can be like, well, we don't want to carry your, project any, your product anymore. And just because you have purchase orders... Doesn't mean you're in the clear because the the product has to sell on the shelves at Walmart if it gets to Walmart. It's got to sell. If, if you want to know how little purchase orders mean, look at what happened to the PlayStation Mini when it came out. Yes. With its comical signs that said one per customer, but there's fucking piles of them everywhere that yes. they can't move. That's how little purchase orders mean. Yes. Those things ended up going for, I think the lowest I saw them go for was $20 out of 100 at one point. But here's the thing, though. Since that was a Sony product, they might have been locked in and keeping that. I can almost guarantee you that a company like Walmart is not going to just buy all your products sight on seed for a huge amount of money and not have a return policy if it doesn't sell. Mm-hmm. They would be. They wouldn't be. They wouldn't be in business, Walmart, if they did that. It'd be like, oh yeah, we'll just we'll just uh, buy uh, twenty five million dollars of units, which comes out to that good old one hundred thousand uh, dollar purchase order number that Tommy used to tout. 100,000 times uh, 250 gets you 25 million, I believe, of pat math. That's where that number comes from. So I can't picture someone like Walmart saying, we're going to, hey, we're going to take a shot on you. 100,000 units at $25 million is going to end up being worth. And then what happens if they don't sell in a couple of months, few months? We're going to take a bath on these? Oh, no, no, you're getting them back. They're going to be shipped back right to your uh, California warehouse right there. And guess what happens when that happens? Your company is officially 
done. It's finished at that point. So, yeah. Yeah. P- partnerships with Sesame Street. Yeah. We, well, can we put your free Flash game, your free browser game on our, on our website? Can we do that? Oh, okay. That's our partnership. Uh, the Tops partnership is funny still that that's being shown. Oh, Amazon Prime is being shown as a partner. I don't know how. I, I, that means you're selling stuff on Prime. I don't know. <laughs> it means you'll be able to buy it on Amazon. Like, the guy will just take anything. Uh, Crayola partnership because you you paid to have an event at your at your place. That's the partnership. Uh, I read something somewhere uh, that he was talking about talked to them about something. I'm sure he was there and he was probably the annoying customer and was like, eh, let, me, let me talk to you about something. I got this. Is it like, I'm just the guy. I'm just the guy making m- making you know the, the little drawings on the Crayola experience. Like, I'm the, I can't make the decision. Yeah, Jim the custodian was like, <laughs> sure, that's a great idea. I'll tell my boss. <laughs> Uh, Care Bears for their free mobile game. Uh, Playmobil, that's a new one listed here. And then you got Harlem uh, Globetrotters, USopoly. I guess that's the board game stuff. Uh, Interplay, I guess, is that the Earthworm Gym? They're trying to get that going? Still, really? Yeah. So anyway, and then they talk about their press mentions, and they leave out Ars Technica for some strange reason of their press mentions there. Very strange thing. So anyway. All right. Well, that's... uh, that's uh, that's our coverage this week. So if you want, to, if you can go to fundable.com slash television if you want to get in on that great. Oh, but you have this. You got to be like an accredited investor. This one, you can't just pop in your thousand bucks. You got to. Well, you got to be real you serious gotta, here. You got to request re- request access. And I don't know. I heard you might be a, like a subscription to the site. You have to pay in order to even get the access to there. So there you go. That sounds. I mean, can anything about this like seem legit and non non sleazy? Yeah. Not not. It's not necessarily a scam, but it's all sleazy. It's all yeah. That's the thing. I don't think that this is. I don't. I. I don't think that the Amico. I, I want to make this clear. I don't think the Amico is a scam. I think the Amico was a bad idea that someone won't let go of. That is approaching scam territory because that's just what's happening with it. Because this is super sleazy. Yeah. Ian, the Super Nintendo turned thirty years old. Cool. <laughs> you really? You're just like I don't care. Uh, no, I mean obviously. Uh, the Super Nintendo. August 23rd, two, uh, 1991. Very important system. I don't think there's anything I could say about the Super Nintendo that I haven't said a million times before. If I could I, go back in time, I would, back do, in I would back do it the time. same way all over again. I would buy that Sega Genesis, and I wouldn't think twice. Wow, Ian. Um, they sold $49 million worldwide, 23 in the Americas, 17 million in Japan. It's crazy to think that, like... How many in Europe, I wonder? The Super Nintendo has Pat sold nine. half of what the Switch has sold. When you're a kid and you're growing up and you, like, see something with Super Nintendo, you just assume it's just selling, like, gangbusters. Well, just, they like, had millions they, and millions of units. I mean, I mean, it is. Genesis competition was direct competition. It was direct competition. There, was, But, um... I, mean, I it, it's it's odd to me to see that because it was everywhere as a kid. It was your life, these video game systems, if you were growing up. You you just assumed that they were far more prevalent, I guess, out in the open. Well, there was than... less people 30 years ago as I'm well. Sure, I mean, there was. I, guess. I mean, population growth. Uh, how many NES, NES is sold? Uh, six, six, 62. I was going to say, it was more than the Super. So, so they, dropped, they dropped by, like, was that 35, 40%. And it's understandable. That was at a time where, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times no, I've heard 20% the argument. They dropped, I'm sorry, they dropped only 20%. Okay. How many times I heard the argument from my parents or other people. This was, video games were new for a lot of people then. And I think people saw that as not the natural progression of things, but it being a ripoff. Oh, you can play games on your system. There's no reason for the new system. 
because a lot of people didn't get the super excuse me get the nes until like 88 89 or you're 90 yeah people forget that so i mean that's only a quick three-year turnaround for 80, that. people weren't by people weren't around for the entire nes generation 87 was the year it got it started to really get entrenched yes you're talking about 88 though until like it started to blow up like it was 88 yeah when you when you get you know super mario 2 like that's like we're, you're still in that upward trajectory of the NES, so a lot of people didn't probably get till eighty eighty nine, and then all of a sudden you got, well, new system two years later, and that's why I mean there was news articles saying, oh, well, this is like this is a scam, or like you know, or this is, you know, parents were upset. Not like, a scam, I, but not 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 necessary. Yeah, no, not, like like I just bought them, I just bought them a console, and I got to get this new one. For, like, that was new to parents. Yes, mm-hmm. it Absolutely. was new to like you know some of the baby boomers like. I just bought my five-year-old something. Now he's seven and wants another console. I've got to spend another... People two- weren't used to this cycle yet. i got to spend another $200, which was a lot more money 30 years ago, plus a new game library on top. That's a lot of money to, like, you know, you know just an average middle-class family. Oh, yeah. Back then. So, like, when you see all that happen, you're like, okay, I understand that. But obviously, the Super Nintendo was super important. Yeah. No, it it was. was a natural extension of the NES and both the, the look and feel of the games, the controller... Was I believe perfected there that you know the the D pad adding just the, the, the triggers, and and the concave and convex buttons right there, and um, it became you know it was Nintendo's first I want to call it you know arcade console like these are you're getting closer arcade ports uh, on there versus sure. the simple games. Uh, Final Fight wasn't exactly arcade, but it, Ew. it passed. No, it, it passed. didn't. No, it, if, no, it, it didn't. If it had two players, it would pass. If it had two players. Final Fight 2 and 3 were much better, but they weren't arcade games. Sure. But you had all the beat-em-ups, obviously. Um, you, you had uh, a lot of uh, the, the, the JRPGs. That's what it's known for, a lot of those. And obviously the first party titles, Donkey Kong Country, you know, Revolutionary, Super Mario World's an amazing game to pack in. It's kind of weird when we look back, like, wow, they packed in one of the most amazing games for the console for free. They don't do, yeah. that. They don't do that anymore. No, they don't. They don't do that. They don't feel the need to have, like, system sellers included with the console anymore. They just... Tell you, oh, you're going to buy an extra game. Or they do the bundles or what have you. So, um, no, obviously, yeah, I had the Super Nintendo. I got it I got it that Christmas. I had to sell my Rostan for Sega Master System and sell my toys to get it. Sold my Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. Santa fingers. sent you a contract in return and was like, uh, Mr. Country, uh, we will deliver the well, requested Super Nintendo under your tree, that's pretty, but you got to get rid of some of your other stuff. Well, that's pretty much what my dad said, but it wasn't under my tree. I had a use the money afterwards and I, I got it like four days after Christmas. My elves will gladly make you a Super Nintendo, but we need to source some parts from your already old. I remember <laughs> we picked it up and went to my grandma's house. My grandma's house uh, there. Uh, and then, yeah, I had it and then obviously I loved it. But only had about nine, ten games for it because I moved on to PC gaming. I grew up very quickly in the early 90s and moved on to PC gaming. Yeah, But I love the Super Nintendo. I love it. All right, Ian, we got a we got a we got a Patreon poll, don't we? Patreon.com slash CU podcast. And what do you get there, Ian? Stuff. Uh you get oh, Okay. Um my mom used to make a dinner called Stuff when I was younger. It was uh kielbasa sausage, stir fried with peppers, onions, uh over rice. Okay. Anyways, um you get stuff there. You get a big hot bowl of stuff. You get uh a weekly writing? 
Yeah, we got right out. I did that. I did it. I tweeted it out. You get the full video podcast. You get a full You're video podcast. In. You get uh, a hangout. Which I don't. When was my last one? When's my next one? Um, you, sh- you you had it a week ago. Oh, that's right. I did it. I did it. You're already. falling apart, Ian. <laughs> and you get a poll topic. And, and second, and second, I'm place, here. In second place, will computer games ever be collectible as console games? Twenty four percent. And in first place, on the t- on the tail of our our bad Super Nintendo thirtieth topic that you. you you put a wet blanket on. Dual Super Nintendo Genesis releases. Which version was the superior option I and why? I did not try to put a wet blanket you on it. I just, how many it. times can I talk about the Super Nintendo? As much as, as the three, uh, the zeros and fives required, Ian. <laughs> okay, all right, fine. I, I do have to adhere to the laws of the zeros and the fives. So uh, it's fun to think about the different versions of games that were on the Super Nintendo and Genesis. Sometimes they were uh, the same game with, uh, you know, uh, one being higher quality than the other. Sometimes they are different games with uh, the same title, and, you know, there'll be one that's a clear standout in terms of, uh, you know, which one's better. A couple examples that really jumped to my mind. NHL Hockey is one of the uh, series that always strikes me as being a Genesis series. And I think it's because it played a little snappier, a little faster on the Genesis. It sure. felt smoother. Um, as you uh, you were talking to me earlier, you said that was due to an increased frame rate. I never really knew that. I think the frame rate was better in the Genesis game. It was a little bit smoother. Yeah, um, when they do, when they did like the pot, the when they started doing the plug and plays, when those got real popular, and they did like the NHL one, they were the Genesis versions that they put on there. They are generally the ones that are considered the best when you look at. Um, you know, sports games that people actively search for. 94 on the Genesis is the specific one that I probably get asked for and the most. Outside of like NBA Jam and things like that, I'm talking about like the yearly releases. 94 on the Genesis is the, the one. one. Not 95, not 93, it's 94. That people want. Um, another one that sticks out to me because I actually had the Genesis version as a kid is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters game is uh, very different between. Um, the two systems. The Genesis version is a totally different game than the Super Nintendo version with different characters, different controls, a different fighting system. It's just, I mean, they're, they're night and day differences. Uh, I really like the Genesis version because it has like a much darker color palette. Um, it looks like they pulled kind of from the Mirage comics a little bit more, okay. um, right down to like a Triceraton being one of the characters in the game. Um, the Super Nintendo version is more cartoony and by all accounts, a far better playing um, fighting game. Sure. So that's one that always sticks out to me. Uh, uh, See, with fighting games, Power Rangers was a, was a pure fighting game on Genesis, but it was a, a beat up on the Super Nintendo. Yes. Uh, correct. Um, and there was a fighting game on the Super Nintendo that was Power Rangers, but it was not the same as the Power Rangers fighting game on I the I believe. Genesis. Yeah, so you saw this weird time in space where, like, the same game titles were being done by different devs? You know? It, it's just weird how that worked out. Because one didn't have time to do both versions? Or I don't know. It's just it's, Obviously, there's a lot of games that were close. 
You yeah, um, I mean, and then some of them, uh, you know, same licenses, but different games, uh, even, and they had different titles, uh, like the Tiny Toons game for the Genesis plays more like a Sonic the Hedgehog game, whereas the Tiny Toons on the Super Nintendo is more of a, uh, it, there's still speed involved, but it's it's a slower paced platformer, I would actually say probably something more akin to a Mario game as opposed to a Sonic game. Um, a big one that comes up all the time, uh, and this is another example of two vastly different games, is is the Aladdin Genesis versus the Super Nintendo. That's one that's uh, cited a lot about Aladdin. About being like, it's different. It's uh, like, the yeah. Aladdin on the Genesis was done by Virgin Interactive, I believe. Look it up. And it's a platformer. Um, and I, I mean, the just... Uh, it, it, can't say, I mean, it's just entirely different. Do you have a sword for attacking? The levels are different, whereas the Super Nintendo game, you do not have a sword. The levels are different. Uh, it was made by Capcom, yes. and there is a far greater focus on... I almost want to say like a simple bit of like acrobatic platforming. Like it's definitely more it's focused about on hopping, on... and then you throw the apples, whatever it is. Yes. And that's, that's interesting that it'd be Capcom doing that. Like, that's one of the bigger Super Nintendo publishers. Yeah, and that's an interesting one yeah. to me because Capcom did have a long and storied run with the Disney properties uh, going all the way back to the NES. And that's mean, probably, like, right around the time they made that cut. I don't actually know how the licensing worked, but that would have been, my guess, the last Capcom Disney game for quite some time. But they also lean towards more third-party Super versus Genesis, I believe, for Capcom. Oh sure, just, yeah. just by pure number, mm -hmm. they were they were like a preferred third party. There was more, yes, there was yeah. more Capcom games on the Super Nintendo than yes. there were on the Genesis. So that yeah, might, sure. that probably might, might have been part of it. So they were like, well, we don't want to work on the Genesis one. Maybe it's a weird thing with Nintendo. So maybe then Disney had to then hire out, you know what I mean, or license it to them. Something like that might have happened. Might, someone historically knows that, but that's an interesting point about that. I always forget, like, yeah, when you think about it, it's like, yeah, especially early on, there's not really Capcom, uh, not a lot of Capcom games going on. You, yep. had, you had the Strider Arcade one. Uh, early on. You're talking about the Genesis? Yeah, Genesis. Yeah, you had Strider. Um, I mean, you had Street Fighter later. Like later on, but like, yeah, there's not like, you're not talking like a big amount. That's weird. Uh, I mean, there was no Mega Mans. At least not here. Yes. But anyway, that's, that's an aside. Anyway, yeah. Um, but this is something I thought about. Like, how many they actually do? Oh, there's, there's a list you can look at. Oh, up. Ghouls and Ghosts. That would have been the early, an early one. An early one that I, would have, I was thinking uh, of. It's not a huge amount. I'm looking at it right now. No, it's really not. It's then you immediately jump into stuff like... Forgotten Worlds. That's early. Mickey Mania Mercs would have been early. The the, the Punisher arcade port. Strider Night Slam Masters. They only did about... What is that? 12 games? They did 12 games only on the Genesis? Yeah, really not a huge, not a, not a Holy huge amount shit. of support. Holy shit. I know I wasn't pulling out of my butt. They didn't do anything uh, on the Genesis. And the Genesis was out for like, you know, nine, ten years. That Anyways, console. What are some examples that you've got? Um, let's go into, uh, you want to talk about uh, Mortal Kombat? That's uh, that's another huge one. Oh, yeah. That was, a, I mean, that was a massive one. And that, that was I, a huge that, one to talk. That, that sold Genesis. That helped systems. Genesis. Yes, that helped um, Sega. That, I mean, having blood in the game uh, clearly. Via uh, blood code. ABAC, ABACAB. ABAC, ABB. Um, that, that that moved systems. Uh, the characters were smaller. The graphics not nearly the sound as clear. was terrible. Sound was bad, but it had the blood. Yes, and gameplay was actually uh, from what I heard. Uh, I didn't play it a lot. Gameplay was a little superior to the Super Nintendo. The Super Nintendo one is a little bit clunky on the controls. When I went back and reviewed it, I did not remember the controls being that clunky. Yeah, no, it feels like shit. So, like from that perspective, just for the gameplay elements and the fact that you got blood and fatalities, that killed it right there for them. Yep. 
So, yeah, that's a big one. Um, my cousin wrote a letter to Nintendo complaining about the Super Nintendo version. You can say it sounds like a lot of people did because then they went back on that no blood stuff like like pretty damn quickly. They saw them probably getting killed with on there. Oh yeah, um, Street Fighter was obviously different between the two systems. Uh, Genesis basically got two dash, which is like a they got turbo, champion. yeah, turbo champion. Um, and so the, the from from what I got, I don't remember playing it. They obviously only had the three button controller. So I, that was bad. Well, the six came out with that. Sure. Yes. You, yeah. On the side, it wasn't packed in, but you no. Could, so like you couldn't play. It was unplayable. I remember my, my one friend did have it. It was unplayable. It's unplayable with three buttons. You can play Mortal Kombat with three, not four buttons, but only having one punch button. You can still do it. It's playable. I'm just going to make the argument that you can't play any fucking game without the right number of buttons. Sure. Using start for the block was rough, but it wasn't. It, it was I, bad. But see, we, you need six buttons. You need six buttons for fighting capes. Yes. So. But from what I remember, uh, obviously graphically, the the Super Nintendo Street Fighter uh, two blows away the Genesis ones. Some people prefer the Genesis sound for that for the, the synthesis versus the MIDI sounds. I think for Street yeah, Fighter yeah, wavetable versus FM synthesis. Uh, I think that really just comes down to that's preference. preference. Uh, but it's funny that when you look at the the three versions, you can uh, make an argument that the Genesis was closer to the arcade. But I think really, if you want to talk sound. sound it comes down to the PC Engine version having the closest sound. Yes. And the PC Engine version actually looks better than the Genesis one. It actually it's looks got a little less going. I, I uh, have it, and it's one of my favorite things to talk. It's one of my favorite games. I, Street Fighter I like, but I just love it because it, it was an example. Kind of like Doom on the Switch, like the modern sure. Doom on the Switch. It's just an example of people making a game work on a system where it shouldn't and not only doing it, but making it work fantastically. Like it's, it's a gorgeous, it's actually a closer port in terms of I, the, lots including, of people will tell you that it's a closer, it, it, it's closer to the arcade game because than it, either Genesis or super. It clo- includes all the bonus rounds. The super Nintendo yes. only includes the car. It does include the barrels. And it also has like the short elbow that Ryu does like the little yeah. in between super Nintendo doesn't have those. They took those out for some reason, for whatever weird reason, super Nintendo took out those like, in between moves. So that's a great game, but again, um, much like the Genesis version, the stock controllers no. are you can't if you think you can't play it with a three button controller, you can't yeah. play it with a so, fucking two button controller. So Mortal Kombat, you want to go Genesis, even though it looks and sounds like trash, it plays better. Uh, but for Street Fighter 2, you want to go Super Nintendo. And then I put down NBA Jam, because you, you said you had th- some th- thoughts on that. I don't remember playing the NBA Jam on, on um, Genesis too much. So this is one where I can't actually verify it, but I've always heard that this was one of those instances like the NHL where just, they got a little where, bit better. Where it was a little bit better. Um, I also think there was something that's in the Genesis version that's not in the Super Nintendo version, but I honestly can't remember. It's not one that I can talk about knowledgeably. I will they're say different this. devs, they're different ports, I believe. I uh, think so. Genesis Arena. I think Arena did Genesis, which was yeah. a, uh, an acclaimed dev. Because I do things. not like. I'm a Arcade I do not like the Super Nintendo NBA Jam. I play the Genesis one fairly frequently. So there would be something to be said for the differences in gameplay. They look similar. Sure. But um and probably sound somewhat similar. Um who did the actual release? Now I'm curious before we move on here. Like I, said, I think it was Arena for Genesis. I don't know who would have done Super. It says no, it says Iguana. Oh, Iguana. So Iguana okay. so Iguana did 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 both of them. Okay. All right. They don't play uh, That could Andres? just be a holdover from me being a kid and being like, Well, I've got the Genesis, so the Genesis version's better. And you played that fine with the, with only the three button layout. What was used for turbo? You hold it on A and hit and B. How did that work? Uh, no, that's it. It's, it's oh shoot, jump, shoot, pass, turbo in the middle, turbo in the middle. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, Ian, we got uh, we got voicemails. Do you know how to access the voicemails? 
No. You go to, you go to anchor.fm slash ACU podcast and you leave us a message. You leave us a short one if I'm you want. Just testing you. I want to make sure you're on top. Oh, uh, you know, you're being cheeky two being, weeks in a row. Being cheeky. People like cheeky, energetic Ian last week. Right. The new job uh, suits you well. I'm spunky. Apparently. You're spunk, spunky Ian. You haven't been spunky. Spunky's better than surly Ian. First one. Hey guys, it's Jacob once more from Arizona. I should mention that you can find me at youtube.com slash Jacobians if anyone is interested in hearing more of my voice. I'll, I'll send you the invoice later for the plug. Oh God, no, you didn't. Okay. And maybe seeing my face. Okay, Jacob. Now I don't want to use my soundboard ever again. Now I see what Ian gets on me about. Anyway, my question to both of y'all is, have you ever watched public access shows just for the prank calls? Or what is your favorite prank call you or someone else experienced or saw on TV? Have you ever even... I, public access, is that a thing anymore? Public access TV? It is. It is? It is. Do we have a public access in San Diego? I don't know. My friend Rick does public access TV. Okay. Public, Rick, Rick, Rick is the And they're king like totally of, live. You can call in and yell at him media. Uh, I, I, I've, I don't know that I've ever actually watched public access TV. If there was public access in Buffalo, I never really caught it. Certainly wouldn't have caught it out here. I've like my, my watching of live TV basically just stopped when I moved to San Diego. Um, but yeah, I never went for it in terms of my favorite prank calls. I hate prank calls. <laughs> no, they're, they're low. I hate them. I don't like taking, I don't like pranks where you just take advantage of people that are unwitting. You know, it's just like, come on. Personally, I like the ones that imply that Tommy and the Intellivision peeps are. What? Okay, whatever, dude. Right. <laughs> I don't know what that was trying to do at the <laughs> Neither end. Neither do I. Hey, Pat and Ian. Uh, this is Russ from the Infectious Groove podcast. Uh, longtime listener, Good first voice. time caller. Hits me in the chest. I know you've discussed the Intellivision Amico at length and. I just got to ask, do you honestly think that we'll ever see that console launched? I know the VCS came out eventually, limped out of the gate, and I believe is going to disappear. But I truly, I don't, I just don't know if the Amico is ever going to see a launch of any kind. And, you know, all memes aside, all joking aside about it, I'm just wondering if you guys think that it will ever be launched. Yes, I do. Uh, I, I've I've said this before. I don't. Me saying that does not mean it's going to come out and be what it's been touted as. It doesn't mean it's going to come out and be good. It doesn't mean it's going to come out and be successful. When I say I think it's going to launch, I think that Tommy is going to kick something into a box and send something to someone at some point and call it done because his ego is going to require it. You think so? He's he is not as- going to go away until he launches something so you don't want you don't think his he wants his legacy to be that i, I was a failure being a, a game console now obviously i could be wrong uh there could be uh, there could be a mass uh exodus of investors employees he, and he, money employees yeah. money he could lose all of his retail spots but that would, but that, that that that's outside stuff coming in. But if Tommy is left to his own devices, something will get put in a box and shipped, so dis- and it will be laughable. So I, I disagree. I think he'll go the likely route of it won't come out. He'll just blame everyone. He'll blame COVID. Oh, that's what's going to happen if it, if it doesn't. He'll blame COVID. He'll somehow blame podcasters. Like like we have a, a real effect. 
Um, he'll blame articles. He'll blame the haters. Everything but, I, but him. I just, I feel like, idea. I feel like there's going to be a video. It's not that I think it's more likely, but I would not be surprised. I do think there is a non-zero chance that there is a video that comes out in a year's time or two years' time where someone un- opens up one of the physical products that they've purchased and goes to tap it to an Amico and, and they dead. get a dead link or there's an error, just a just, dead website link or something weird. Or, or they're going to ship and the controllers are going to die within a week or they're going to have horrible issues. People have to return them. Customer service I, issues. I, absolutely. I, t- Tommy will put Tommy's ego will let him put himself. I should say that his ego will let him put himself into a position where he releases something that's in bad shape just to say that he released it. Hey, Pat Ian, this is Zane calling from Rochester, New York, and I have a question for Rochester. Ian. Oh. I've heard you mention your record collection a couple times on the podcast, and I was wondering what styles of music do you usually collect the most? My personal collection is mostly of the metal variety, but I'm just curious to see what you're into. Also, have you ever shopped at Record Archive in Rochester? Thanks, and have a marvelous day. Uh, I believe I have shopped at Record Archive in Rochester, uh, and I remember really liking it. I remember it being a pretty big place. Uh, big, big place? And I think... I think... <laughs> that... Uh, I remember it having like lots of different things that you could buy there besides records. My record collection is um, mostly ambient music and electronic music. Um, despite th- and then uh, there's a lot of like old happy hardcore. I have over a thousand records. I always joke with my collection because I listen to like weirder stuff. Uh, it's hard for me to pick a record out of my collection that I feel like would go over well in a crowded room. I don't have a lot of like general you know sure. greatest hit cloud uh, crowd pleasers I, it's, it's a lot of weird electronic stuff hey there gentlemen this is matt calling again from long island hope you guys are doing well hey uh, my question Good is pizza. if you could enter a room with any music playing in the background kind of like how a wwe wrestler enters a room uh what song would it be love the podcast you guys be good i always wanted to do a trip like i do by, uh, was that filtering the crystal method? Yeah, that's a off good the, one. Off, off the spawn soundtrack. That's a good one. Uh, I've definitely put thought into this before, and none of them are coming to mind. So I'll okay. just say, uh, "Walking on Sunshine." <laughs> That'd be good for like an insane wrestler. Pat Ian, this is Josh again. So my question is related to Halloween. I know it's a couple months away, but what was the uh, or what was your favorite and the least favorite Halloween costumes that you wore as a kid? Thanks. Uh, I didn't like my ninja outfit just because the sword was so cheap. When I faced off against another ninja, ninja in the uh, somehow my Catholic school allowed us to have weapons. Like nowadays, you can't take weapons anywhere, like fake weapons. We faced off the two ninjas that in my class. My sword broke at the hilt. It was that cheap. It was a really cheap one of those like probably eight ninety nine all in one costumes outfits where you get like the sword. You know, like I did not have the deluxe ninja outfit. I'll just say I had the Bargain basis. That's my least favorite one. Um, I think I, we've talked. I've talked about this briefly on here before. Actually, I, I loved all of my youth costumes. Um, my mom. She made them. That's right. My mom made them. She made awesome costumes. I went as uh, Hobbs once. I went as Opus once. I went as uh, a really cool pterodactyl once. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, my mom. My, my right. all my all my childhood costumes that I can remember were great because my mom fucking loved making them. Uh, next. Hi, Pat and Ian. This is Alan from New Zealand. I'm just wondering what your favorite horror movies are. I've recently started getting into them, and I'd just like some great recommendations. Thanks. I'm not a big horror movie guy, 
but obviously I like the original Alien. Aliens is like action horror, which is a nice genre that you don't see too much of. Um, I like I like stuff like that. Alien um, is is sci-fi horror. Uh, I, I'll leave it out just because it's one of my favorite movies. Um, Halloween is another one of my favorite movies, but that is that is one. I, I will say this: um, one that uh, doesn't get talked about a lot that I love is uh, Reanimator. I think Reanimator is a fucking fantastic movie. Oh, it's so good. I always bring up Friday the Thirteenth Part Four because I don't like slasher movies, but Four is so well made just as a movie <laughs> that like it it has a good cast in it. That it rises above the, itself, basically. That this like it like stands out above all the others somehow. It's really weird. I will say this: um, preaching to the choir on people who watch horror movies. But if you don't, the first four Halloween, or not the first four Halloween, the first four Friday the Thirteenth movies form a fairly yes. cohesive story, yes. and they're good. They should have ended it. It was supposed to be the, like that was supposed to be yeah. it. One, one, one through four. Tell it. I mean, it, it's a tell great story. It's a, it's a great story. Uh, they're, they're good movies. I think, uh, I, I like all, all of the first four. The effects uh, are great in it. The practical effects are fantastic. Especially in, in the first one. Uh, I mean, that's, I think the first one, uh, I think the first one and the fourth one are both Savini. So yeah, oh, really? the, the effects are fantastic. Um, yeah, they're great. And I think, uh, Friday the 13th three is actually really slept on. That's one yes. of my favorites. Yeah. Three and two, three and four is like a nice trilogy. If you yeah. even leave that one. Sergeant Zombie back again, kind of what zombies do. <laughs> Pat Ian, is there any games you thought had a great idea but were just horrible, ex- executed horribly? For me, it was Operation Raccoon City. Actually, that's a good point. Operation Raccoon City was a cool idea that was executed poorly. Um, honestly, I want to say thank you for this because we're going to put this in our future folder. Uh, for a oh, we are? Uh, uh, yeah a Q&A because there are lots of games I know okay. I've talked about this before we but I down? but I I'm I, they're slipping my brain right now because I'm put on the spot but I I have answers to that okay okay then that doesn't make it we'll do a couple more here hey Pat hey Ian it's Brad from Whippany again Whippany I ate some bad sushi last night Ooh, and had what? a horrible nightmare Brad where Nintendo was able to implement loot boxes back in the days of the SNES and NES. What do you guys think gaming would have been like back then had loot boxes existed? Thanks. Bye. It would have been a whole shitload of my parents being like, fuck no. <laughs> so, like, so like Super Mario 3, instead of like going to Toad's house, you actually got to pay for the chance to get like a raccoon, a tanuki I was say, You can go in Toad's house or you can pay Nintendo right now $9.99 for 10 uh, tanuki, you know, tanuki suits? suits that go right oh, into God. your inventory. That's then. horrifying. That's a sad thought. Yeah. Say what, about, say what you will about Nintendo. They've stayed away from the, you know, at least on the consoles. It's different on, you know, the, the mobile, whatever. They, they, they broke, you know, they, they ended up off. I still think Nintendo does better with DLC than most companies. Yeah, because you get a lot. For their DLC, you generally get a lot for a little. You get a lot of bang for bang for your your, your buck there when it comes to that. Okay, we'll do. Uh, we'll actually do three more. What's up, Pat and Ian? Blake from Buffalo, New York here. Yeah. Question about the NES and the Sega Master System. Now, I know in some aspects the Master System had better specs than the NES. We should this one last areas, week, but you know some. Um, my question I have for you guys, and I've always thought and wondered, was. If the Master System had the third-party support that the NES had, do you... Th- yeah, we answered this, Blake, unfortunately. <laughs> so, we appreciate the yeah, question, Blake, Blake, but... You gotta go back. Tune in last week. <laughs> All right, we got, we got two more quick ones here. Hey, this question is for Ian. 
do you have against Empire tattoos? <laughs> Just out of curiosity. Uh, absolutely. Just kidding. Doesn't matter to me. Love the show. Love you guys. Um, Ian, just messing with you. In case you're wondering, the tattoo for me, it's more like getting a Decepticon logo tattoo. I was just a big Star Wars fan, big Vader fan. Uh, in case you're wondering, I'm not a totalitarian. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Thanks, Yoshi. I think people re- people really came at me for that. Did they really? I-, I think they read into it a little bit. I, I was just shooting the shit. I don't. I don't. I don't think liking the bad guy in a fictional story makes you a bad person. I was simply oh. just kind of messing around, being like the cosplaying and t- keeping down people fighting for freedom. That's where it's a little bit weird to me. You can get but then again. There's there's you know there's 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 like civil war reenactments and other stuff. Not everyone has those. All I'm trying. Yes, and all I'm yeah. trying to say is you can definitely get to a point where you're too into it. And I use the tattoo as an example, and it's like, well, obviously, I know people like Yoshi, who's very wonderful and handsome. You're handsome, too, Yoshi. Um, don't, don't try to sweet talk my Yoshi now, because you insulted him. Sweet talk, you know. Uh, All right, one it's more. fine. You're fine. We got one more. Then he's Love gotta, your interest. He's got to grab a lift in like five yeah. minutes. Yeah, I do. Here's Tommy. <laughs> if I sound a little different, it's because I was just out drinking with Miyamoto-san. You know what it's like, like that. He calls me up, hey, Tommy, my man, let me buy you a few rounds. And I'm like, but I don't drink. And he says, ah, oh, come on, you big pussy. <laughs> so it's like, what am I supposed to do, turn him down? That's Sugar Ray Miyamoto, man. So we're out drinking and talking about NFTs and shit. And then all of a sudden, Jay Allard comes walking in and he says, hey, word on the street is you've been slinging my name around all over the place you better slow your roll buddy and Miyamoto-san gets up like is this guy bothering you bro like he's ready to throw hands and shit so I gotta hold him back I'm like hold up Jay you forget I gave you a chance where nobody would and he said what the fuck are you talking about and I said what the fuck am I hold on (laughs) oh Tommy's been drinking apparently Holy shit. Oh, Tom. You got to be able to hold your liquor there, buddy. <laughs> Rough miles for Tom Tellerico. Miyamoto-san's got to he's got to he's got to hold your hair when you're when you're throwing up in the toilet. <laughs> well, that was a fun one. That was good. Oh boy, my, I had to not want to laugh and drown that out. Whew. <laughs> well, that's it for the CU podcast. That was fun. Yeah. We got you on time almost there, Ian. Yep. I'm going to go home and uh Chat with me, I'm all awesome. you know, It's my new job. <laughs> then Jay Howard walks in. <laughs> Yo, bro. What's going on? All right. See you all next week. See you later. <laughs>